We're talking about expectations, and expectations can sometimes mess with your mind. Sometimes they're kind of confusing. Um, a lot of times in life, we get let down by people or circumstances or jobs or, or bosses or whatever it is. Sometimes it's our own spouse or our own kid or our own parent. Sometimes it's a, it's a close friend. We know what it's like to be let down when we have expectations. But today I want to talk to you about what to expect from God. And I'll go ahead and give you a, a spoiler alert. God doesn't let you down. <laughs> he just doesn't. Regardless of how many times you've been let down in your life and you've wondered, God, why did this happen? I, trust, I promise you, it wasn't God letting you down. No matter what it was, what you were going through. But we're going to talk about that today. You know, um, expectations are kind of weird. Uh, just a few days ago, I was driving down the interstate. And speed limit was 70. And I got behind a car. I'm in the right-hand lane and come up on a car that's driving 68 miles an hour. And I was in a hurry, and there was a bunch of traffic in the left lane, and I couldn't get over to get around them. And I immediately thought of my wife, because we do a lot of driving in our family. We travel, we, we go a lot of places in the car, um, and every time we get behind somebody driving below the speed limit, my wife gets aggravated. They're not even driving the speed limit. What is wrong with them? We need to go. She can't stand to go too slow. And here's the thing. Do y'all understand that speed limit means maximum? That's supposed to be the fastest we go. That's supposed to be if you go above that, you're breaking the law. Y'all get that? Y'all do, I understand. All of you here are, are, are law-abiding, godly people who always stay at or below the speed limit. In the Nelms family, we tend to drive a little fast. In America, we've kind of gotten used to it because we know the cops will let us go a certain amount. So we drive at a certain amount so that we know. I actually know exactly, if it's a road that I travel a lot, I know what the cops will let you drive over. So I stay at that level because if I go one mile an hour more and I run into one, he's going to pull me over. But right there at that little level, I'm okay. And so I stay there. And we... Our expectation is that we're going to see, if we do get a little fast, that we're going to see the cop before he sees us. It doesn't always work that way. It's been a few years since I've got a ticket, but I have had, I've had, to, yeah. And we've had a few. Uh, in my younger days especially. One day, I, one time as a teenager, I thought the speed limit was 103 apparently. But anyway, we, uh, that's scary. Uh, but our expectations change, and the thing is, in America, we've gotten to where we expect people to drive the speed limit or faster for many of us, even though the expectation according to the law is that we're going to drive the speed limit or below. This year, well, I've, the job I'm at right now, I've been at for almost two years. April will be two years for me. Um, I the job before that, I was not real happy at. I was only there a year. I went there because I'd lost a job. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the job I'm at right now, when they hired me, you know, they were doing their sales pitch, and they talked about what they could pay me, and they said, you know, we're a smaller company, but we do have a really good bonus plan, and every January or February, you'll get a, you'll get a bonus check. Um, it is based off profit, but it's always around this certain percentage, and they told me what it was, and I said, okay, well, that's pretty decent, so I was happy with that. Last year, I got my first bonus, and my boss actually walked up and handed me the envelope and said, 
you know, I didn't know they were going to prorate you this year, but the way it worked was I started in April. They couldn't start counting it until I'd been there 90 days, so I got paid for less than half a year. But then when I added up the percentage of what it was based on that time frame that they actually counted, it, I turned out that the percentage was about half of what they had told me it would be. And so I was a little disappointed last year. And then they, I've been looking forward to it this year because it's a whole year, right? So this week, my boss comes up on Thursday and hands me a, or on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever. I got paid on Thursday, but he hands me an envelope on Wednesday and says, hey, our bonuses are coming out this week. I wanted to give you this. Uh, we're even surprised we're getting a bonus this year. So that wasn't a good sign is what he said. And I said, uh, I went and looked at it. And percentage-wise, it was way, way lower than last year. As a matter of fact, the paycheck this year for a full year was lower than it was for a half a year last year. So it was kind of disappointing because I was kind of counting on that money for some things that I wanted to take care of. I have somebody in my life that I was about to help out in a big way to do something special for them that they really do need. And I'm praying about how we're going to do that now. Um, and, but at least I got something, right? So I'm excited about that. And so Thursday, driving to work, the day that the paycheck actually goes into my account, I'm driving to work and my truck dies on the side of the road. And I'm all nervous. I don't know what's going on. It, it cranked up then and went on. And, and I was able to make it back to the hospital. My mom's been in the hospital all week. And I get there. And, and it, it wasn't running great, but it was running. And then I start, I come home and I get a mile from my house and it just dies right on the side of the road again. Cop pulls up, and it, it won't crank for anything, so he offers to call a tow truck for me, and the tow truck comes and says, hey, it's $125 for me to tow it one mile to your house because you called the, because the cops called me. Had you called me directly, it would have been $65. I'm like, ah, that's good to know. For those of you that you ever get stopped and the cop says, you want me to call a tow truck? Say, no, I'll call one. <laughs> but they... Uh, at any rate, he takes me to the house, and we pull it up. I get up the next morning. I take off work the next day to work on my truck. And I get up the next morning. I think it's the fuel filter. I take the fuel filter out. That don't work. It, that's not what's wrong. So I think, well, it's got to be the fuel pump. And I, I decide I'm going to drive it and get it tested somewhere. And I get in it. I go three houses, and it starts to die. And I, whoa, let's stop. So we backed up. I was able to get it back in the driveway. Spent all day researching, doing different things, talking to people, and, and looking at a few things. At any rate, now I've got to spend money to fix my truck. Fuel pump. And catalytic converter are out. So I got I, I to gotta deal with that. I'd already paid some of that bonus, and now the rest of that bonus, actually a little more than that, is going to a car repair. Here's the thing. I got two ways I can look at it. Why didn't I get more bonus? Or, God, you gave me enough to get by. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But. Our expectations many times are not met. See, I expected something from my employment that did not give me what I was expecting, but yet God gave me what I needed in the moment, and we're going to hit that point big in a minute. Expectations can mess with your head. For us to look at that this morning, I want you to turn to Psalm 23. We're going to be in Psalm 23, and, and I've been struggling with this for the last few weeks, praying about what God would want me to speak, and I kind of had the general idea, and I found some scriptures, and I was kind of going in one direction, and then all of a sudden, I started reading through Psalm 23, and it just clicked. that The stuff I wanted to say that I thought God was wanting me to say was right here. So we're going to look at Psalm 23 today, and we're going to look at what to expect from God. And I want to give you some things that, that not to expect as well as some things to expect. So the first thing I want you to see today before we go into Psalms is don't expect God to fulfill your every desire. See, a lot of us think of God as our genie. 
We think if, if, if we pray, he's supposed to do what we ask. And the truth is, he tells us in his word that he will answer our prayers. And I've seen it throughout my 49 years of life that he does answer prayers. He's done it over and over again. Sadly, sometimes he says no. <laughs> but he answers. But, his, but it's not that he's going to give us every desire of our heart. Okay, and I'm going to talk about more because some of you are saying, yes, he does. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But look in Psalm 23 what he said. He said in verses 1 through 3, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Now, it sounds there like he's meeting our needs, right? And he is. He's, man, he's, you got to imagine what he's talking about here is he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And it says, God is taking care of everything. Man, he takes me to the best pastures. He takes me to the best water. He's taking care of everything I need as a sheep. I'm getting my needs and I'm being fulfilled. But what's the last phrase he says in verse 3? For his name's sake. Understand that when God does things, he's doing it ultimately for his glory. That sounds selfish, but he's God. He's worthy of that. For your good, for your good, but for his glory. He's providing, he's meeting your needs, he's doing what, he's, what, what, what you need in your life in order to bless you in many ways. But understand, it's not so that you can be made great, it's not so that you can be known, it's so that he can be known. Because you by yourself can't save anyone. He by himself can save everyone. Understand, he is the one worthy of our worship and praise. And it's for his name's sake that these things are taking place. Well, well, what about that passage? I know there's a verse in the Bible that says he'll give you all the desires of your heart, and it does. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. First of all, it says delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires. we got to delight first. See, a lot of times we want to walk right out, right out of a situation that we know we're not supposed to be in and say, God, why are you not blessing me? We want to say, I'm going to do it my way, God, how I want to live, the way I want to think, the way I want to act, and then I expect you to still give me every desire I've got. He says delight in him, then you'll get your desires. As a matter of fact, I want you to put this in context because so many go to that verse, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it would take too long, but I do want to look at the verse before and after it. So let's look at Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5, and it says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. He says, hey, trust God, do the right thing, be faithful. And then he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then he goes on in verse 5 to say, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. When does the action come? When we've done our part. See, most of us sit around expecting God just to be our genie and answer all of our prayers instantly and say, boom, God, why isn't that truck fixed? God, why can't you just instantly give me the intelligence and, and, and the skills to be able to fix that truck on my own and not have to pay anybody? Or God, why can't I just take that thing out and blow it out and it's all right? Or why can't I kick it in the side and it'll start working again? You know, something. But sometimes we got to do something on our side for him to move because he wants to see that we are serious and we are faithful as he is faithful. 
And we forget that oftentimes. But understand, it's true that we are not to expect God to meet every desire. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 6, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's talking there. He's, he just said, he, he was talking about how he, he takes care of the grass of the field, the flowers of the field, and, and, and the birds of the air and all that. He says, if he'll meet their needs, he'll meet yours. And then he says, you seek God, his kingdom, and his righteousness first. Then you'll have everything that you're asking for. It's all about putting him first, and he expects to be first. I was talking about the job I had before this one. I was a, I, I was a quality manager at a place, and I lost my job, and I left. And, and so I, I took the first job that was given me, which was actually a quality engineer position uh, with a place in Memphis. And I went up there and, and, and went to work and with expectations that they were actually going to put me in another position within a few months, and it never happened. But the quality director, while I was there, left the company. And when she did... Um, Two different people from corporate contacted me and said, Dwindle, we want you to apply for that job. We think you would be great at it. I said, okay. So I applied for it. I prayed about it. I started talking to people, and I decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. So I applied for this position, and uh, I went through the interview process. And, I mean, I had all kind of people here at church praying for me. I had family praying for me. And I was convinced this is the job I need. It was going to mean a bigger – it was going to mean a huge promotion – a lot more money, better benefits, more responsibility, able to do the things that I thought I'm, that I know I'm capable of doing. And I was excited about this opportunity to step up. And then they come one day and announce that somebody else in the company was getting the job instead of me. And I was heartbroken. And I went to God saying, God, I don't understand it. The thing is, I was miserable working for that place. But I wanted that job because I wanted the title. I wanted the money. I wanted the prestige, if I'm being honest. A few months later, I ended up being offered a job where I am now as quality manager. So I, I, I went back, I went to that. And uh, shortly after I left that job, it came out of the newspapers that they were shutting down, that they were about to shut down that facility. They were closing it down. I found out that, you know, God knew when I didn't that that place was going. I had a suspicion that it was going down, but I didn't realize they actually had plans to take it down. I actually got a call from one of the corporate directors saying, Dwindle, we knew when we interviewed you that you were trying to go in a different direction than we were. We had to shut that place down so you were not the right person. And you would have ended up losing your job in, in a year or two. So it was a blessing in the end that God did not give me the desire of my heart at that moment. I wanted it, but it was not what I needed. And plus, I'm in a job now where it's still not my favorite place to be, but I'm content. And there's some people there that I really have made a difference in their lives. I've really helped them in some ways. I've been able to, to, to help some people in some very serious ways. And so it's a blessing that God did what he did. See, here's the thing. We're not to expect God to meet every desire of our lives, but we are. We do expect God to provide. He didn't give me the director's job, but he did give me a better job. Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2 again. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. God will provide for your needs. He may not provide for your every little bitty want, but he will provide for your needs. This week with my truck breaking down, he didn't provide to be able to let me do what I need to for a special person in my life. He didn't provide for me to, to do something else that I was really hoping to do with the money that, that was going to help me financially. But he did provide for me to be able to take care of one thing that was necessary and to be able to fix my truck. 
we serve a God who will do what he needs to do and what he sees as best, even if we don't understand it in the moment. It's not about us getting every desire. It's about him doing what's necessary. It's about us, him being the great provider. Not only do we expect God to provide, we also you do expect God to refresh. In verse 3, he said this, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. He refreshes my soul. Folks, I'm going to tell you, this Daniel fast to me has been very refreshing. There's been some difficult days. Uh, I posted on Facebook the other day. I had, I had a day where my mom's been in the hospital all week. I went by and I called my dad and said, can I bring you something to eat? No, I don't really want anything to eat, but I could use a drink. So I went into this place to get him something to drink. Into a, It's just a, a gas station, I guess, but they were cooking fresh pizza. And as soon as you walked in the door, you could just smell that pizza. And I hadn't eaten since lunch, and all I had for lunch was... I don't know, some kind of vegetable. Uh, and I was just like, oh, that smells so good. But I went on, I went to the hospital, and my mom was eating hospital food, and that didn't really tempt me. But I, I, I gave my dad some, uh, his drink, and I sat around with him for a little while, and I left there, and my wife had asked me if I would go pick her up Zaxby's because <laughs> she's not doing the Daniel fast, so y'all judge her. Um, <laughs> So I go to Zaxby's, and, and I went in there and walked in there, and you could just smell the smell. And I'm not, I like Zaxby's, but it's not like my top place to go, but I like it. But on that day, that was the best smelling place I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> and I pick up these chicken fingers for her, and they're sitting in the seat right next to me all the way home. And, and I, I didn't eat them. I just drove like this. It was fine. Everything was fine. But, but we... That day was a little hard. I got home, and I cut me up a whole lot of vegetables. I didn't just do a normal little portion. I mean, I had, when I got through, I had a big old plate full of vegetables and those uh, roasted potatoes and stuff, and, and it was, oh, it ended up being a pretty good meal, but, but it wasn't chicken, <laughs> and it wasn't pizza. But you know what? This Daniel fast to me has been a blessing because I didn't really want to do it originally. I've done, this is my sixth year in a row to do something. I haven't always done strictly the Daniel fast. There's been a couple of years in there where I've, I've kind of altered it to, to do some things specific for me. But this year, Pastor Troy asked those of us on staff if we would consider doing it. He said, I'd really like for the staff to do it because I think it's going to be important this year. So I made a commitment I would. But about two or three weeks before we were supposed to start, I was sitting there going, I don't want to do this. And if I'm being real honest, I'd been going through a little thing where I was kind of, I was down. For quite a few reasons, there were some things going on in my life. Some of them are still going on. And I was confused and I was upset and I was focusing on my problems. But I made a promise to God, I'm going to do the Daniel fast this year and I'm going to go all out because, God, I need you to speak to me. So I went in and, I, and, I, and I've done it. I have not cheated once on the food. I've eaten what I'm supposed to eat and if I don't have anything there to eat. We went on a trip last week, last, not yesterday, but last Saturday. We drove to Atlanta and back and my family's going through getting... Um, getting fast food every time we stop for something. And me, I took a bunch of apples and oranges and, and bananas, and that's what I'm eating the whole day. That's all I ate all day long because I had to have something I could eat on the go. And I've been good at it. I've been doing my Bible study. I've been doing my prayer time. I've been sticking to that. God's been, and, and, and here's what's happened. Over the last two weeks, God has been showing me things that I didn't see before. As I read through these passages that, that they've assigned us to read, I'm seeing things that I don't remember seeing in a long time or at all. 
And God's starting to speak to me in ways that he hasn't done in quite a while. And I think that's because for quite a while, for a few months, to be honest, toward the end of the year, I was focusing on my problems instead of focusing on the problem solver. He has brought refreshment to my life. Even though I've still got problems, I've had quite a week, to be honest. Quite a few things have gone bad. Even my blender broke on me. And so that hasn't been great either during this fast. But I am going to go buy me a new one. I just haven't done it yet, but it broke. Um, But we serve a God of refreshment. He knows when you need that refreshment. And here's the thing. If you're willing to come to him, seeking him out, he will give you the refreshment you need. If you're not getting it, it's probably because you're looking somewhere other than the refresher. See, folks, you you can't stand out in the desert sun and expect to feel air conditioned. If you want some air conditioning, you got to go inside. We got to get into the presence of God. The second thing I want you to see today is, is don't expect God to keep you from problems. In Psalm 23, again, verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Don't expect God to keep you from problems. See, we, uh, some people come to church when they're in the midst of problems, and they think, hey, if I, if I pray a prayer, if I become a Christian, then God's going to take away these problems. I've seen drug addicts and alcoholics and different people come to church and think, if I become a Christian, he's going to take away that desire. And he does for a small percentage. But you know what? For most of us, he don't do it. He will save you. He will help you. He will change you. But he didn't promise us a life full of problems. I mean, free of problems. Matter of fact, Jesus promised us in his word that there would be tribulation, that there would be problems if we follow him. It's not an easy life being a Christian. It is a blessed life. It is a life that is going to bring great reward. It is a life that is well worth it, but it's not an easy life. So if you're in Christianity to get the easy street, you've chosen the wrong street. The easy street is the path to hell. That's the one everybody's on, man. You can just flow. Don't expect God to keep you from problems. In Psalm 23, he said, even though I walk through the darkest valley here in the NIV, other versions say through the Valley of the shadow of death. Man, the the psalmist here is saying, God, you lead me right through the darkest parts of life, right through the darkest parts of this world. You lead me, and I'm there, and I don't understand it. Do you remember Jesus told the disciples to get in a boat, and he knew there was a storm, and he sent them straight into the storm? But yet, he was asleep in the boat, And they thought, what's wrong with you? How can you sleep? And he got up and said, what's wrong with you? Do you not trust me? And all he had to do is say, peace, be still. And everything stopped. Another time he put them in a boat and they're going through the storm. And they look up and they see something walking across the water. And it's Jesus just taking a casual stroll across the lake. You know, we all do that from time to time. There he is. He doesn't prevent you from going through problems. He doesn't prevent you from going through the dark times, but he never, ever sends you there alone. You never go through them alone if you're a believer in Jesus. 
Don't expect God to keep you from problems. Problems are a part of life. I, I'm, I'm a living testimony to that. And this week I could name you ten different things that, that should distract me and that have been an issue that I've had to deal with and worry about. But yet the entire week, for some reason, I've been at peace. Why? Because I'm focused on the peace giver. Don't expect God to keep you from problems, but do expect God to protect. Again, in verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I'm walking through the darkest place, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God, I'm not afraid. I don't worry. I'm right here, and I know that I can trust you because your rod and your staff, your protection is here. No matter what's going on in my life, I know that you're by my side. Even if it ends in death, I'm okay because I'm going to be in your presence. That's hard to accept sometimes. But the truth is, no matter what circumstance we're going through, he's there with us. In Isaiah 41, 10, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, I've preached several sermons just on this passage. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The God of this universe, the creator of it all, says, I will take care of you. I will protect you no matter what you're going through. Trust me. See, I've had people trust me in my life where I've let them down. I've had people that I trusted fully who let me down. I've never once had God let me down. His hand is strong, faithful, and able to take you through every valley you face. Third thing I want you to see today is don't expect God to keep you in your comfort zone. That's a tough one for some of us. But in verse 5, he says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You ever sit down and ate with somebody that wanted to kill you? That's not a real comfortable feeling. I mean, it's really not. Think about it. He's making you sit down in the presence of your enemies and just try to enjoy a meal. Man, sometimes life is uncomfortable. Sometimes life is not easy. Moses, when, when God came to him and showed up in that burning bush, he ended up asking Moses if he would go to, to Pharaoh and ask to set the people free to get his, the, the, God's people out of captivity. And Moses had every excuse in the book. God, I'm not a good speaker. God, I'm not eloquent. God, I don't have the time. He, he came up with everything he could think of. And everything he came up with, God had a, an answer and ultimately, Moses went on and he did what God told him to do and he ended up becoming one of the greatest leaders the world's ever seen. Even though he didn't think he had the ability, when God was next to him, he was able to go into something that was a very uncomfortable situation and see success. Stepping out of your comfort zone. I mentioned that we were missionaries to Central America. Well, I wanted to be a missionary for a very long time. Matter of fact, um, my very first mission trip, I was a pastor, and we went to Coromba, Brazil. And 
I loved it. I came back home. My wife didn't get to go to that when she was pregnant at the time. And uh, I came home begging her to become a missionary. And she, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We're not moving out of the country. So we didn't do it. And a little bit later, I, came, I, I did it again. And I asked her again, can we become missionaries? And no, we're not doing it. She didn't want to do it. And then she went on a mission trip with me to Nicaragua. And we went to Nicaragua, and I fell in love. Honestly, I've been to several countries, but when I walked into Nicaragua, I thought I was home. There was just something about it. And I come home, and I didn't even ask her. I knew the answer, so I didn't even bring it up. Every once in a while, it would kind of slip out here and there, but we didn't really talk about it. And then one night, I come home from work a few months later, and my wife's sitting there on the couch. She said, Duana, we need to talk. And she said, here's the deal. I don't believe God's called me to be a missionary. But I do believe he's called you to be a missionary. And because he's called me to be your wife, I'm willing to go wherever he leads us. And it broke my heart. And it, it, oh, it was such an amazing thing. And it was hard for her. She didn't really want to go, to be honest. But we went. And it was my fault that we didn't get to stay longer. But we got to, I got to live my dream for, for about three years. But my wife, that was my comfort zone. My comfort zone is being in other cultures. I actually am more, com I'm more comfortable in other cultures than I am with you people. Y'all are weird. <laughs> but <laughs> my wife, that was not her comfort zone. She had to step out in a big way trusting God and trusting me. And here's the thing. While we were in Nicaragua, at the end of our stay there, the trust she put in me, I let her down. God didn't. But sometimes he's going to make us step out of our comfort zone. So don't expect God to keep you in your comfort zone, but do expect God to provide peace regardless of where you are. Verse 5 again says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I'm sitting there in the presence of my enemies trying to eat, and yet you're anointing me, and my cup is overflowing with blessings, even in my most uncomfortable situation. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, there's something about it. I've, I, I've been around a lot of people. I've had to deal, I've preached many funerals and, and weddings and different things like that. I did a funeral just a couple of weeks ago that was, that was quite an event. And um, I've been a lot, around a lot of people when they're going through difficult times. And I've been around Christians who are going through some of the hardest times I've ever seen who just are at peace. Because when we focus on the peace giver, when we focus on the one true God, there's something about it. The Holy Spirit is able to bring a peace that the world doesn't understand. He says here, which transcends all understanding. It's a peace that the world just doesn't get when they look at us and wonder how in the world can you go through what you're going through and still be at peace with God. Do expect, God, do expect God to provide peace and then do expect God to remain with you. Verse 6 says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's always going to be with us. We are his children. 
In Deuteronomy 31, 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. My two boys are 23 and 20 now. They're living out on their own and they're doing their own thing. They've become men. And they could call me right now and I would be there. My dad is 81 years old. He's at the hospital right now with my mom who's 79. And I promise you, I could call my dad right now and he'd be here. You just don't leave your children. You let them wander. You let them have their freedom. You let them make their choices. But you never leave them. Expect God to remain. Ultimately, what we're doing here, folks, there's a lot of things we can expect from God. There's a lot of things we should not expect from God. But ultimately, we just need to expect God to be God. Regardless of the situation you face, whether you're in the valley or the mountain, he will be God. He'll always be God. He'll always be full of grace. He'll always be full of truth. He'll always be full of love. In John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18, it says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has, has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and in his, in, is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. There's some things about God that are never going to change. Number one, the, he is the God of unmeasured grace. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We're saved by grace. We're redeemed by grace because we're not worthy without grace. I'm a living testimony. Folks, I was a pastor. Some things happened and got out of the ministry, but, but I still kept... After that, I got right with God very soon and started seeking God and, and, and growing, became a missionary. And then some things happened and I ran from God. And to be honest, for Pastor Troy to trust me in this position blows my mind because just a few years ago, I would have told you I'll never preach again. I had people tell me, you never will preach again. You don't deserve to. You've lost that right. And Pastor Troy talked to me about the grace of God and his forgiveness, and his restoration. And he started out by letting me get up and do those little exhortations at the end of the worship service. And then he asked me to do a few more things. And then one, Sunday, one time he calls me up and says, hey, I'd like for you to preach. And it scared me to death. God is a God of grace. And he's full of grace every single day. And we can't run him out of grace. 
He continues to show it and give it when we don't deserve it. Not only is he the God of unmeasured grace, he is the God of unwavering truth. See, it says in that passage that Jesus is full of both grace and truth. It, the truth is a lot of us in the, in the Christian world, we lean toward either grace or truth. You can listen to a preacher preach, and a lot of times they're either really strong on the grace that everybody's forgiven and everybody needs to, to everybody can come to God, or they're really strong on the truth that sin is evil and you're going to go to hell if you don't get straight. And to be honest, in my early days, I leaned more toward the truth than I did the grace. In my early days, I leaned more toward the legalism until I, and I already knew about grace. But man, when he restored me from what he restored me from, I learned more about grace. And then I began to almost go too far to the grace side. The thing is, our God is a God of 100% grace and 100% truth every single day. It's not that some days or some situations he's grace and some situations he's truth. It's that he always puts them both together because they work together for his glory and our good. Yes, we serve a God who is going to judge. But we serve a God who has given us grace so that in that judgment he'll see the blood of Jesus instead of the sin we committed. Yes, he hates sin, but he sure does love us sinners. And thirdly, he is the God of unending love. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is something that amazes me. And he says there's nothing in all of creation, there's nothing in, in, in existence that can separate us from his love once we're a part of him. The love of God transcends all understanding. The love of God is there when we're at our lowest or at our highest. I've got something, someone very special to me right now that's messed up on drugs and they keep promising they're getting right and they just keep falling back they keep going right back right back right back and many people have said give up on him he's not worth it he's never going to change and I can't stop loving him because I look at my life and I realize that God has never stopped loving me. And I've broken his heart over and over again. I want to ask that every head be bowed, every eye closed. I know I've gone a little long today. A couple of those illustrations went more than I expected them to. I went a little deeper than I meant to. But I'm about to get you out. But I can't do it without doing this very important thing. I got one very simple question for you today with no one looking around. I just want to know this. Do you 
have a relationship with this God of grace, truth, and love. He is God. 100% of the time, He never changes, He never stops. I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, do you do you pray? I'm not asking you, are you a good person? I'm asking you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you have a relationship with Him? If you don't, I want to give you that opportunity if you'd like it. Like I said, it's not always easy, but it's always worth it. If you're here this morning, you can say, Dwindle, I don't know for certain I'm going to heaven when I die, or I don't know for certain I have a relationship with Jesus, or even I do know that I don't know him and I want to. If you can say this morning, Dwindle, I want to know the God you're speaking about. I want to have a personal relationship with him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come down front. I just want to pray for you and tell you how you can know him personally. Would you just raise your hand let me know just for a second. Just let me know that you want to meet this Jesus and have that intimate relationship.